Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades, and in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the United States. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. Much of his speaking has since been published as more than 400 titles, many of which have been translated into numerous foreign languages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. As the children of Israel were called by God in Exodus 3 to make their exit or exodus from Egypt, they were directed to three different stations that would ultimately be a part of their journey. First, to the wilderness, then to a mountain, and finally to a land flowing with milk and honey. These stations represent three stages in the journey of all God's people. What stage are you at? Joining us for fellowship today as we look into Exodus once again is Francis Ball. Francis, welcome back to our broadcast. It's so good to be in this kind of fellowship. Francis, our message today gives us something of an overview of the book of Exodus and a picture, or better yet, I would say a series of pictures depicting the various stages in our Christian life. Francis, to see these stories from the Old Testament in such a way as to bring real spiritual light to us and illuminate the way more clearly for us to go on with the Lord is really the point of this whole life study. It seems Witness Lee had no heart just to study the Bible in the way of history or doctrines. Did you find this also to be the case throughout the many years that you were directly under his ministry? Well, I'm so happy, Brother Chris, to say this has certainly been my experience in uh, realizing how Brother Lee has approached the Word of God in such a way to bring us really into life experiences. I confess I spent a good number of years as a Christian and even studied the Bible to uh, quite a good extent, but most of what I got was doctrines, not wrong ones, and uh, I uh, I got the truth, but I never saw the depths of these cases like are in the book of Exodus and in many other books in the Bible, in a way of so uh, practically applying it to my daily living. I'm so grateful to this ministry for what it has brought into my life. It has changed my view. It was certainly deeper than anything I'd ever heard before, and certainly more practical. So to answer your question, I certainly found in these years that I was under Brother Lee's ministry, the present personal practical, up-to-date application of what I knew before just as stories. So why don't we join this wonderful ministry? Here's Witness Lee from the Life Study of Exodus. Among so many Christian teachers, the matter of wilderness related to the history of the wandering children of Israel 
has been very much stressed that uh, in the history of Israel there was a wilderness. Of course, something of 40 years sure is worthwhile to pay attention to. But I would say the Christian teachers have overstressed it that uh, the wilderness is altogether for test, for trial. The wilderness in chapter 3 is for a separation. God would bring his people out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And here the wilderness means what? A separation. Opposite to the world. To serve God, there's the need of a separation. It has to be delivered out of this noisy world into a quiet wilderness, opposite to the world. You read chapter 3, wilderness doesn't mean tears or trail. It doesn't mean that the Lord has brought the children of Israel into a trail, but into a place separated from Egypt. And it was separated by the Red Sea. And the Red Sea typified baptism. After we believed in the Lord Jesus and took him as our Passover, we were baptized. And this baptizing water separated us out of the world and into what? A wilderness. Where we begin to serve God. So you can see, wilderness in chapter 3 doesn't have any sense of test and trail, but it altogether means what? A kind of a separation. First of all, God delivered us into the wilderness. Check what you experience. Every proper saved Christian, the first station he has reached was a kind of wilderness. Before you got saved, you were so busy. You were in a busy world and so much occupied. One day you got saved. God's salvation just delivered you out of that busy world and brought you into a situation and you were there in a kind of a silent situation. And that was what? That was the wilderness. Every proper saved person must have such an experience. The first station of God's salvation. Well, Francis, we're taking the Exodus experience of the children of Israel as a picture or type of our experience of the Christian life. I think that we can all relate to the fact that there are stages in our walk with the Lord. What's the stage that's portrayed by God's people coming into the wilderness as they're making their exit from Egypt? This really uh, is a marvelous picture, and we have to realize this is a picture of our own experience, or we'll miss the real impact of what has been brought to us by this message already. We need to see that what we thought of the uh, exodus from Egypt to the wilderness was to bring God's people out so he could test them, as was brought out in the message, but it's not that. And I think it's so clear the way Brother Lee has applied it, that it's not 
just to bring them out to test them. No, he brought them out to deliver them, to deliver them from the world, which is what Egypt typifies. I think nearly all Christian Bible students recognize that Egypt is a type of the world in the experience of the uh, Israelites. And uh, for us, the world is really the one who has captivated us after we're born again. We get saved because Christ died for us, and that was depicted by the Lamb of God. But we really have to go on from the time we get saved, by the time we get forgiven and cleansed of our sins, and we're free from the judgment of God. But where are we? Still in Egypt. This was the case with the children of Israel until they were able to get out. And to get out meant to get into the wilderness. And many times, I personally thought that the wilderness was kind of a negative place to get into. But actually, in the sense that it's been brought out here, it's very positive to be separated from the world. We will never go on in our Christian life as long as we remain in Egypt. We have to be delivered out of the world. And of course, that's depicted here as coming out because of the enslavement that we experienced in Egypt. We came out of that world, and we came into a wilderness, which is a pleasant place of separation unto God. And this one aspect is so meaningful to our experience of the Christian life. Until we are really delivered out of the world and gone through the, the Red Sea, which is, depicts our baptism, that takes us out from under the world's domain. If we take that fact and we take the Lord as our supply and our riches day by day, we're living a separated life. The separation is the main thing that's intended by the children of Israel coming out of Egypt into the wilderness. Francis, talking today about the stages in the Christian life that are typified by the experience of the children of Israel, and this wilderness experience is of vital importance. It's an indispensable stage in our own Christian walk to come out, as you said, the separation. But it's not our destination either. And there's another stage, another step before reaching that destination. Let's find out about it. Here again is Witness Lee. I like to give you a full picture. You haven't uh, reached at the destination, but I like to give you a map. Where should you go? Don't just go to the wilderness. Neither should you go to the mountain and stop there. No. These two destinations are what? Are transitory. In the wilderness, you are transit passengers. And on the mountain, you are also transit passengers. All these two destinations are transitory. The final, the ultimate destination is the gold land. Many Christians, I would say thousands of Christians, they never got on the mountain. Many of you, dear ones, all you can testify, you never got onto any mountain. What is the significance of being on the mountain? That is the revelation, the vision. The mountain is nowhere else but a place to receive the revelation. In the whole Old Testament, nowhere there had been ever so much revelation as in Exodus on the mountain. On the mountain, the law was revealed. On the mountain, the uh, technical was revealed. Many of us 
got out of Egypt and got into the wilderness, thank God, this is a kind of separation. Nothing here. Wilderness is just a separation, a kind of consecration. It's emptiness, nothing. You need to go on to reach at the mountain, at the mountain of Sinai. Don't understand the Bible in such a low level. Don't show Moses on the mountain, he received the law. That is too low. He didn't only receive the law, he received the revelation of what God is. And he received the revelation of what kind of life we, the children of God, should live. We should live a life according to what God is. God is holy, we should live a life holy. God is righteous, we should live a life righteous. God is full of love, we should live a life full of love. God is very wise, careful. He is very much detailed. You read all the law. Not only commandments, even small things. God is very detailed. He's detailed in righteousness. He's detailed in holiness. He's detailed in kindness. He's detailed in all the divine virtues and the human virtues. He's detailed. And we need to live a life according to the detailed virtues of God. This is not a teaching of the law. This is a revelation of what God is and what can life we should live in front of him to be his people. This could never be seen in the plain or on the low level. It had to be on the top of the mountain. Not only so, following this, the revelation or the vision came to show what is the desire of such a holy, righteous, and glorious God. Why he wanted us to live a life according to him. Because his heart desire is to have a dwelling place upon this earth. So the tabernacle was revealed. And here there is a clear vision, detailed, concerning every corner, every avenue, every aspect, every side of God's dwelling place. Francis, the mountaintop experience in Exodus is where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Uh, and this is the common understanding, and there's certainly nothing wrong with this understanding. But we have to see that though it's not wrong, still it's too low, if that's all we see. What's the higher revelation of what God was revealing to his people on the mountain? Well, again, I have to go back to my own experience uh, of the years before I ever heard the things brought out through this ministry, and that was that the main thing I understood was Moses went to the top of the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And that Ten Commandments was to me a revelation of what God expects us to do and commands us to do and so on. But now I realize this is a stage in our Christian experience where we're brought to see God's revelation, the revelation of who he is, the purpose of that top-of-the-mountain experience was for Moses to get the revelation of what God wants and what God is and what he will do. He is holy. He is righteous. He is loving. All the attributes of God are uh, really revealed 
in the commandments and in the, uh, the whole revelation that Moses received on the mountain. And he wants people to be those kind of people, holy, righteous, loving. This is all what was intended for that top-of-the-mountain experience. When he spent that time in the Lord's presence there, to bring in such a wonderful uh, revelation of himself. So I just think to top it off and make it a little more clear, the purpose of giving the revelation on the mountain and giving the law was to show what God is. Also to give a revelation, as we see going on, that there, there is a tabernacle pattern given on the mountain. And God told Moses to build the tabernacle exactly according to the pattern that he was shown on the mountain. So this tabernacle is also a very important aspect of what Moses saw in Revelation on the mountain. Not only the law of what God is, but also the tabernacle of what God wants and what God intends to do. We really do see this corporate aspect of God's purpose shown by the tabernacle. This becomes a very critical factor in our final portion today, Francis. Let's return to Witness Lee. Suppose we all got out of Egypt, we all got into the wilderness, and we all got over the mountain. And we do have a tabernacle. You know what a tabernacle? Today you, you can understand. The tabernacle is just the church life. What we call the church life today, don't think that is temple. No, not yet. That is the floating. <laughs> the floating thing without a foundation. The factors of their going into the wilderness were what? Were the supplying Passover and the separating Red Sea. And these were the factors. They did do something because they brought out the children of Israel into the wilderness. Then the sweet water, the uh, twelve springs at Elam, and the manna, and the living water flowing out of the cleft rock, all these were factors. They did work. They brought all the children of Israel to the mountain. You just tell me, after the mountain, what should have been the factor that should have been brought them into the good land. Could you tell me what should be the factor? I tell you, the ark with the tabernacle. Why? Eventually, when the children of Israel enter into the good land, by what? By the ark. The ark firstly went into the water of the river of Jordan. Then the water stopped. That shows the ark with the tabernacle was the factor. That was the factor. And that should have been the factor right after the mountain experience. But they didn't take this factor. They were lacking of faith to cooperate with this factor. So the factor was there, but they didn't utilize it until to the last day of the 40 years wandering. They used the ark with the tabernacle for them to pass through the river Jordan, to enter into the Golan. What does this signify? This signifies today's church life, our tabernacle, with Christ, the ark, must be our factor. 
to help us to enter into the good land. This situation today among the Christians is really poor. Very few do have a Christ as a species land for them to walk in. The children of Israel enjoyed the Passover land. They enjoyed the unleavened bread. And they ate a lot of manna. They never entered into the promised land. God didn't promise Abraham that God would give his descendants the Passover land. The man, I cannot read such promise. God gave to Abraham. But God did promise that he would give his children what? The land. The land was the promise. If you read Galatians 3, you can find out and this land promised by God to Abraham in Galatians 3 becomes the very spirit. The Holy Spirit. In Genesis 12, it was the land. But in Galatians 3, the land becomes the Holy Spirit. The blessing that God promised to give to Abraham and all his descendants eventually becomes what? The Spirit. And this is the promised land. And who is the Spirit today? The precious God. Christ, the life-giving Spirit. Is all inclusive spirit today given to us at the promised land. Francis, the direct path of the children of Israel following the mountain experience should have been to go straight to the good land, but they didn't take that way. The reason that they missed the good land directly was that they neglected the one unique factor that would have led them there, and that is the Ark of the Tabernacle. Since this is the factor that brings God's people into the riches of the good land, we don't want to neglect it as well. Francis, what does the ark represent in our own experience? Well, the ark here, I think, first of all, we no doubt have understood from uh, Brother Lee's speaking that this is not Noah's ark. There's an ark in the tabernacle which represents Christ. And uh, that ark is in the innermost part of the tabernacle, in the holiest of holies. And that ark represents Christ in our experience, in a corporate way. The tabernacle, of course, is a corporate matter. And so the ark is the experience of Christ in a corporate way. So for us to go into the good land, which is Christ himself, is to experience him in that movable tabernacle, He is the center of that movable tabernacle. And to experience him is the way that we get into the good land or into the enjoyment of Christ as the good land. In this age, Christ is our good land. And the way to enjoy him and the way to get into that enjoyment of him as the good land, we need to experience him as the ark in the tabernacle. Francis, seeing that we've got a little bit of time left, Let me ask you to say something further about the context that this experience of Christ as the ark is found, which is really the tabernacle. If you could develop this matter of the corporate aspect in the experience of God's people. Well, I think we have to realize that I'm not the only Christian in the world, and God didn't do everything just for me. God has a purpose. His purpose is a people. He wants a people that really experience him. 
And so this is the whole idea of being corporate. And the tabernacle itself is a real picture of the corporate experiences of Christ. When we see him in his corporateness, we realize that Christ wants to be the tabernacle. He wants to be the ark. He wants to be everything. He wants to be enlarged. And that really includes us believers. That's his enlargement. So to enjoy Christ in this way, in such a corporate way, is to enjoy him in the way to enter into the fullness of all that he is. That is, to enter into the good land. Christ today is our good land for our enjoyment. Well, Francis, I think it's clear there are no shortcuts. As God's people are brought on, all these stages are vital. We must be separated, come out of Egypt, and have a wilderness experience, and be then led to the mountain where we can see who God is and what he desires. But ultimately, our destination must be this full salvation of Christ, the marvelous good land, rich and flowing with milk and honey. I think that's a wonderful summary of what we've seen today. Francis, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening. This program is brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher of the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. To find out more about these two 20th century New Testament ministers, we invite you to visit our website, lsm.org. There you'll find more than 600 titles from both authors available online. You can also listen to recordings of Witness Lee's spoken messages and see the full array of material that Living Stream has to offer. Again, That's lsm.org. Thank you for listening today.